What up, everybody? Ryan Rucco, CC Sabathia with you. Another week of R2C2. So pumped about our guest today. We chat with Stephen A. Smith, my former co-host, the biggest star in sports media. Stephen has outstanding stories about Allen Iverson and Kobe Bryant, a great breakdown of Brooklyn's Big Three, plus C and I talk about what it means for the Yankees to get back DJ LeMahieu. It's all coming up next on a brand new R2C2. What's up, everybody? We back. Another week, another R2C2. What's going on, bro? Well, what's going on is we have to tell our audience why this episode's a little late, man. We had some we had some internet, I mean, the internet issues uh, at your home, but the story is amazing. So we have to tell the audience. Well, a car ran into like a pole and it shut down internet in your whole county. Shut down internet in Bergen County yesterday all day. So <laughs> yeah, we're we're late with the with the pod because of the internet. I couldn't get on. It was crazy. And like you should have seen my house. Like internet's down in the house. You would have think the fucking like the whole like, like everything shut down. The kids couldn't do school. Science freaking out. Carter can't get on this fucking video game. My mom can't watch cable TV. Like, it was a shit show in here yesterday, bro. I'm telling you. Like, you would have thought. Like, I didn't know how, how important Wi-Fi was until it went out yesterday. And nobody could do fucking anything because it was crazy. It's hilarious. I mean, hopefully the, I, I, hopefully the, for whoever the car is the fine. Yeah, everybody's fine. fine. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Everybody's fine on that regard. The, but, the, the scene of your house, it reminds me of the, the Charlie Steiner Y2K uh, sports center commercial. <laughs> follow me. Follow me to freedom. <laughs> Bro, like it was so everybody's bad. Everybody's going around in the dark in the house. What's going on? Like, yeah. My wife was driving down the street to send text messages so she can get LTE and shit. Like, it was, oh a, it was a shit show, bro. So, but, uh, no, nah, it so was that, good. I mean, that's why, we're yeah. a little, that's why we're a little late. Full disclosure for the audience. There you go. Yeah, we're a little uh, late. But, it, but it's good, yeah. you know. You know, hey. it is what it is. I got this boot off my foot, too, so I'm good now. I had a boot. I Last week, since we what? did the podcast, when I when I was in DR, I fell, bro, and I kicked the back of a chair, and my foot, my ankle just swelled up so big. So I went to go see Doctor Amai, got an MRI. Um, thought I thought I had a fracture. He put me in a boot, told me I was fine. So I had to wear a boot for the last week. So I haven't been working out or nothing. Today was Whoa. my first day back. How, you fell? Are you okay? Oh yeah, I'm fine. But I was just we were in the DR. I was in the villa, and the floor was wet. And I was coming back out of the pool, and I oh. slipped up and like kicked the back of a chair. So oh. I thought for sure I fractured it. But you know me. Like, I'm not going to let it ruin my, my vacation. So I went to the pharmacia, got me some pain pills, and I went and played Teeth of the Dog the next three days. So I might have fucked it up more, but I'm not going to let it fuck played, up my vacation. You oh, played yeah. that? Oh, my god! I played three. And, and oh. bro, it was, I couldn't even get it in my shoe. Like, my ankle oh. was so big. But I'm oh. not going to lose the chance. I, I live in the snow. I'm not yeah. going to lose the chance to play Teeth of the Dog fucking three days, you know, for what, an ankle. So it is what it is. What'd you shoot? Uh, I shot a 91, a 102, and a 112. So it like progressively a, got worse. I got a shot at 91. A 91? Yeah, the first day. Dude, you're becoming legit legit. The first like, day. I don't know dude, about that, but this we gotta we gotta play this spring. This uh Yeah, no, nah, let's sure, go. Man. Yeah, I for mean, sure. We gotta get the group chat out. For sure, man. Especially I wanna see like, Nimer play. Nimer Nimer's a good athlete. He's good at not, everything. So I, I would be surprised. He's a damn good athlete, man. He's a He's good a golfer. Damn you golf with him before? I've never, I've never golfed with him, but he's just he. I bet you he can crush the ball because he yeah, is because a, he's good at everything. He's a really good athlete. Yeah, yeah, man. When I play, man, if I I if I break a hundred, I feel great when I play. Like I feel great when I break a hundred. But I can have I can have a front nine or a back nine where I shoot like forty five, you know, mm -hmm. and then I could have a a front or a back nine where I shoot sixty, you know. Exactly. It's like like yeah. what happened? That's, you know? that's yeah. where I'm at right now. It's just my driver, bro. Like so now I'm about to get on the simulator. And I'm yeah. gonna go down down the street to the to the range. I gotta get my driver right, bro. Like yeah. once I get my like, if I can just find my fucking ball off the drive, I'm fine. <laughs> then so you're that good. first day, I was in the fairway yeah. and I shot a 91. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Because so. otherwise, you're laying three, and yeah. you and it's like everything just from there. I know, man. I my other thing is like I'll find things and I'll discover things. Like if I get to play like let's say twice in a week at some point, mm -hmm. and then it's like oh, I like I discover this. I, I'm feeling good, whatever. And then I don't play for a month. And it's like, I lost it, and now it takes me another round. It's like... Yeah. Oh. But, but see, that's what... I, I, I'm determined not to get there this summer or this yeah. spring. Just I'm to play regularly? I'm determined to yeah. play regularly three or four times a week. 
know what I'm saying? No matter whether whether that cuts out something in my schedule, whether it's working out or something that I like to do, I yeah. think I'm going to substitute that with golf and, and try to play three or four times a week for sure. Yeah, man. Well, <clears throat> I'm there. I got to I got to uh, I got to start playing more because and also like I got a bunch of like stuff for Christmas from my parents and, as well as my wife, like just golf stuff. And I'm like, OK, well. Like if I'm getting it from my wife, then that's kind of like the cosign of like that's a sign. I, can, I, can, I could go play. Uh, I could of go course. play. You Let know, me like, tell you what my wife yeah. is never buying yeah. me golf shit ever. <laughs> like I tell her I'm going to play golf. The last time I went to go tell her I'm going to play golf, she asked me what time I'm coming back. I haven't <laughs> even fucking left yet. What are you talking about? What time I'm coming back? Cause like let me go oh play around. Gosh. She's Seriously. never buying me golf shit. No man, exactly. So I'm like, all right, I guess that's my cosign that I can go do it. I can, yeah. I can go play, man. It's, it's good. I like it. So, see, we're going to uh, we haven't been on the air since DJ came back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, speaking of, um, you know, better late than never, uh, the release of our pod and the return of DJ. I'm just so glad. Look, I I'm sure for the Yankees, you're happy you have them for six years at a more digestible average annual value than you wanted for DJ. You know, you got 90 million coming to you. Great, especially compared to you know, what he was looking at contractually a couple years ago and what he's done for himself over these last two years. And more importantly than anything, this is a team that wants to win a championship. This man's been your best player two years. He needed to be back. He's back. That's a great thing. Now I feel like, all right, you could be a championship team. Yeah, I think what, the most important thing is that DJ's happy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, this is where he wanted to play. I, I, You know, I hadn't talked to him about that, but I just kind of felt that, like, after playing here for two years and yeah. Being such a lovable guy on and off the field, you know what I mean? Affecting his teammates so much. I just think that this is where he wanted to end his career. And he got that chance now for the next six years. For the next six years, he's know he's got $90 million in the bank. Like, everybody's happy. You know what I'm yeah. saying? No, the Yankees don't feel like they overpaid. DJ got what he wanted coming off, you know, the, like you said, the contract two years ago. Um, and, and everybody's happy. So that very rarely happens in a deal. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So one side always, always feels like they got shysted. And I don't feel like that in this deal. I feel like everybody's happy, which is which is great. And it's great for the player and it's great for our organization going forward that he's happy here in New York. What about the Blue Jays? And <laughs> a, man, like man. How, how nasty is their offense going to be with Springer in the fold? Thank God they didn't get Brantley, too. Bro, if they get Brantley, that's a complete fucking lineup. If they get Brantley. Like, yeah. thank God they don't get Brantley. But man, that's going to be a tough lineup to go through. Um, oh, man. I mean, because Roddy Telez, I don't think people realize how good of a hitter that guy is. Yeah. Um, obviously, you got Bichette, uh, Biggio, um, and and, uh, and Vladdy. And you got Gritchick that'll take you deep. I mean, these motherfuckers are loaded. Um, and, and the pitching is coming around, too. So they signed yeah. Kirby Yates. Um, I mean, this is a team that's looking to contend with us. Uh, I, you know, I, the Rays obviously got worse getting rid of their... They're, they're pitching. I mean, that's the strength of their team. So I think it's the Yankees and the Blue Jays in this race in the, in the AL East. Man, I'm so curious to see how, because Toronto clearly has the mentality too of like going, going for it, you know, like, and so you wonder like where else they'll add with the pitching too. But yeah. yeah the, the only thing is, is that, you know, that the, the lineup is super young. So you just don't know if they all going to be able to put it together. If they can yeah. all put that shit together at one time, that's the best. That's one of the best lineups in the big leagues. Yeah, you just yeah. don't know because they're so young. If Bichette's going to struggle, if Vladdy's going to have a, you know, but if they're all, you know, if they all click and have that, if have that one year, oh man, bro, better watch the fuck out because that's going to be a good lineup. All right, see, well, today we get to talk to a man who's um. He's my my old co-host, man. You, yeah. you usurp Stephen A. as my co-host <laughs> for sure. And we had a chance to talk to him about his new show where. You know, he talks about not being a debate show and celebrating athletes, which is what we want to do on this show. So yeah, this yeah. is great to, to have this conversation with him and let people understand what his new show is. I, I couldn't agree more, man. It was so interesting. And the audience is going to hear this pretty early on in our conversation with Stephen, that perspective, because you would never think that, right? You wouldn't, you, you think of Stephen A as like the dude who loves debate, but hearing, hearing this perspective, which you guys are about to hear, see, I totally agree. It was very in line with our mission here. Right. Uh, yeah, it really was, which is really cool. Um, and Steven's just a great dude. We get into Brooklyn's big three with him, some great Allen Iverson and Kobe stories. Uh, so without further ado, here is Stephen A. Smith on R2C2.
Now you know, Stephen, that the man who you are looking at, well, depending on where he is on your Zoom, let's say the top of your screen, he has now surpassed you as my longest running co-host. The torch has been passed from Stephen A. Smith to CC Sabathia. Well, that's because you ran me out of the business, man. You know, <laughs> you took over, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm sitting alongside Ryan Rucco. I mean, Stephen A. didn't matter. I had to get the hell away from you so I could take relevant. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I think I think you're doing okay since the breakup. It seems like things are going all right. It's going all right. It's going you all got right. Ba- baby Stephen A got his own show now too. It's, I mean, it's going great. Baby Stephen like, A taking over, man. Baby, baby Stephen A is like the new little penny. If, 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 if you're old enough to remember that, <laughs> yeah, man. It's hilarious, man. People are loving it right now. So. I'm just flowing with it, man. It's, just, it's my alter ego, as they say. So I'm having a good time with it, man. But that's the beauty of it, of doing the show right now, because, you know, doing a talk show, I just wanted to have a platform available to myself where, you know, one, you know, you're still going to touch on sports and everything like that. But I wanted to bring people from outside of the sports world who could talk about sports. That was one thing. And the other thing is I wanted to celebrate them because I think that when you're doing a debate show every day, you're just going at it on particular topics. And I just don't know if people realize that sometimes, and I try to explain this to people in my inner circle, my family, loved ones, et cetera, et cetera. Every day I wake up, I know somebody is going to be, I'm going to make somebody mad that day. I mean, just think about that for a second. Every single day, you know that somebody, no matter what you do, somebody's going to be happy with, unhappy with you. Because it's a debate show and you have to take a side. And so when you have to take a side and you're unapologetic about taking that side, if it ain't the side somebody wants you to take, and it's always going to be somebody because you're picking sides, you know, that's what you have to live with every day. Somebody being upset at some take that you that you disseminated. And so to wake up every day like that and having to deal with that, you just get to a point where there's so many great things, so many great stories, and so many great people in the world of sports. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for sports. Uh, neither would you guys. And there's so much appreciation that I have for athletes, coaches, executives, et cetera, because of what they've meant to the world of sports. I just want to celebrate a lot of people. And I want to show that side of me, that willingness to really celebrate folks and have a good time. That's that's amazing to hear because you are the king of the debate shows. You know what I'm saying? And 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 you're right. You know, like somebody's always going to have an opinion. Somebody's always going to be pissed off. And I'm sure you walking down the street in New York City, somebody's yelling at you about what you said about Kyrie. Or you know what I'm saying? Like that yeah. has to get that has to get annoying and tired. So yeah, I mean to be able to celebrate these stories and like you said, we all wouldn't be sitting here without yeah. the greatness of sports. So to celebrate that is is awesome. That's a dope thing. It's, it's, it's just important for me that the people, particularly the people inside and outside the sports world, but in the entertainment world, know that side of me because that's always been there. You know, people who know me know I know how to smile. I know how to laugh. I know how to tell jokes, have a good time, all of that other stuff. It ain't about rah-rah. It ain't about debating all the time. But, you know, when those lights come on, whatever my role is, I'm going to play that role. If it's a debate show, I'm going to debate. If it's a, if I'm hosting sports and I'm going to host. If I'm hosting my own show, I'm going to host. When I was doing radio, that's what I did. Ryan knows that. See, you've known me for years. You've seen me um, at 4040 hanging with Jay-Z and the yeah. crew, and you know I'm debating them. Yeah. And they really coming out. You know, I'm walking. <laughs> I came in to get some wings. And, drink, and they start debating me about what I had to say. So, you know, it's everywhere you go. And it's like, it's cool. I understand it because you can't shy away from responsibilities that come along with the job at hand. But in the same breath, that's not all there is to you. And I remember I was in LA on many occasions. I've seen some of the stars. It could be Denzel. It could be Don Cheadle. It could be, you know, so many other people. And you just sit there and you just look at them, Will Smith, everybody else. I said, listen, people want y'all autographs and pictures. Me, they want to debate. They want to debate. I know you didn't say that. I can't believe that. (laughs) And, you know, it just gets to a point where it's like, wait a minute. I've been a journalist for over 25 years. I wrote at the New York Daily News. I wrote at the Philadelphia Inquirer. I was a beat writer. I started off as a beat writer and I ended my newspaper career as one of only 21 African-Americans who became a general sports columnist in this nation's history. There's a lot that comes along with me being here today. But because I've been so successful with a debate show, people have forgotten my resume. And so I like utilizing other things to remind folks of the multitude of things I try to bring to the table and more importantly, how I'm far more positive than negative. And that's what I'm trying to do. 
it, it's so funny you say that, Stephen, because people used to always ask me, because you are such a massive star and your star has only grown. What was it like hosting with Stephen A? What kind of guy? Oh, is he always like up loud? And I'm like, no, Stephen A is like the kindest, chillest dude to work with. Like he couldn't be a, a more considerate teammate and he's just a good guy. I always talk about how you were one of the people who really helped my play-by-play -play career at ESPN because you were the one who told the executives, hey, my co-host, you got to listen to him do play-by-play. -play. Yeah, and I'm glad you have a platform now to show even more of that side of you and another side of you, the love doctor. Because yeah. we, we used to do the love doctor on Stephen A. and Rucco on the radio. And yeah. now you got it on ESPN Plus on your show Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. How often is the love doctor going to be broken out it, it, on your it, show? It, 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 at least once a week, potentially twice a week. <laughs> Listen, man, you'll see, man, Ryan knows this. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of Martin Lawrence. And the yeah. show Mark. And so what happened is my all-time favorite episode was the Love Doctor. That's okay. where it comes. it's not me. It's, it's, it's all Martin Lawrence. He sat up there and, and here was the funny part. And I've told people this. This is the irony of it all. So in the 90s, this show was a hit show and whatever. And Tisha Campbell, Tashina Arnold, and the rest of the crew, Cole, Tommy, Martin, all of this other stuff. And this episode for the Love Doctor, Martin had left the radio business. And now he was trying to become getting the television. But the only position they had for him was as an associate producer. And so this one episode, the host of the television show didn't show up. And so the boss said to him, you host the show today. So, I mean, <laughs> think about what I'm doing in today's day and age. And, and that was what the episode was. He was hosting the television show. And it was some, some couple that came on there. They took off their shoes, get ready to swing on each other. And more like, calm down, hold on, calm down. You got to be friends first. And everybody was like, started clapping. He was like, what, what, that work, that work. You got to be friends first. And all of a sudden, everybody came to him. And they said, yo, love doctor, love doctor. We got some advice. And he'd give them some advice and he'd go like this. Now get on out of here. I'm the love doctor. It was hilarious. <laughs> the episode ended, the episode ended with his best boy, Tommy, dating his worst enemy, Pam. Pam yeah. And he didn't know. He didn't know. He was sitting up there. He said, he said, Tommy said, I just want you to know. I found this special someone. It's because of you that I found this special someone. He's like, oh, man, I'm happy for you. If I'm getting emotional, it's because I'm happy for you. When do I meet him? I want to meet him, man. And it was Pam. He was it six was to Pam. a seven. Hilarious. <laughs> and and, and that's, where, that's where the entire Love Doctor segment came from. So I'm doing it on the show, and I'm doing it on the show by myself. I did it on the show with Ryan. And people... See, people took it seriously. They were calling me for advice. <laughs> they, were, they really were. Like I'm sitting there like this. I ain't married. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, no, you know. And, 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 one, and one of my other favorites was Bernie Mac. You remember when Bernie Mac was saying, I ain't talking about myself. I ain't talking about myself. And so I was like this. Yeah. I'm not talking about myself now. <laughs> I'm talking about you. I got you. I got you. And I give these advice. And all of a sudden, ESPN came and they're like, advertisers want to sponsor this segment. <laughs> and I was like, really? Really? And then my social media folks would say, yo, man, we got thousands of requests where people were having questions for the love doctor. I'm like, yeah, yeah, like, you know, and then they like, I said, well, okay. I said, listen, I'm listening, to, I'm listening to hip hop radio stations trying to give advice. I'm like, why can't I? Why can't I? Right? The Breakfast yeah, Club, right. they got Angela E on there giving advice. Yeah, she ain't married or nothing. It's the same right. shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Don't let Charlamagne give advice. Charlamagne oh, might look at you be like, man. what? He shouldn't want you. You never know. You never know. I mean, like the first time we did it, I think we were doing it like for a segment or two on the radio. And the calls were, they were coming in like after the show was off the air. So then we did for Valentine's Day, like the full two hours. And the whole time, the <laughs> whole was just saying, they the just wanted advice. Full, yeah, yeah. The whole show. They, the bosses had to come to us and say, y'all do know this is a sports show. And I'm like, yeah, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. I, I, did one seg, I did one show where I told the brother, I said, listen, follow my lead. Play this music. Don't speak. Just look at her while this music's playing. Do this, do this, that. He called me back the next week. He said, Stephen A., you the man. You said, my and I was like this. 
You're like, okay, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take oh, it. Shit, that's hilarious. It's so good. <laughs> I'm so glad that it's going to be on Stephen A's world on ESPN Plus because it, people need to see this. They just they need, they, they need to <laughs> oh, see I'm it gonna, regularly. I'm going to come up with this. my world. So and and that's what so you got to talk sports and everything. But what I try to tell people like is Stephen A's world. So I have Snoop. I had Snoop Dogg on the first episode. I had Jamie Foxx on the second episode. And then I had the two biggest soap opera stars mm-hmm. in America on the show. The guy that plays Sonny Corinthos for General Hospital, Ruiz oh, yeah. Bernard. Of course. And the I, guy I, that plays Victor Newman on Young and the Restless, which is Eric Braden. I know both I know of both those them. dudes because my grandmother yeah. watched both of those shows. That's right. And I, <laughs> I know both of them. I know both of them personally. And believe it or not, they had no, because I got a recurring role on General Hospital. And they had met only once, just in passing. They had never broke bread together until I brought them together for dinner a few years ago. Oh, and then wow. I brought them on the show last week. So it's like, okay, what do they have to do with sports? Maurice loves his boxing. Eric Braden loves his soccer and, and his UFC and boxing. And I said, you know something? But in talking about them, this is a part of my world because you never know who I'm around. And so I wanted to share that with the audience and let them know. Don't look at me and pigeonhole me. I, yeah, I'm from the hip-hop generation. Don't think I just know LL or Run DMC and all of these boys. No, I watch soap operas, too. You just never know. <laughs> just like, never can, we know talk about, can we talk about Snoop and how diverse he is? Like, I mean, can we get him, like, host, uh, like, like commentating games or something? Because that Nate Robinson commentating was hilarious. He made the fight. <laughs> You know what the thing about it is? I got I got some inside, some intel to give you, see. Um, I told Snoop, I said, first of all, Sugar Ray Leonard, former welterweight champion of the yeah. world, all boxing Hall of Famer, we all know Sugar Ray. He was calling a fight with Israel Adesanya, who's a middleweight champion in the UFC, who did a mm-hmm. good job. Snoop stole the show from both of them. You know, he was he was absolutely sensational. And I said to Snoop, but if people listening to you closely, you weren't joking about the Nate Robinson because a lot of people were laughing at Nate. I no, he was bad. serious. I felt bad. I felt bad for Nate. I really, really did. Because, yeah. you know, you win or lose, that could happen. But to get put to sleep, like literally put to sleep, that was bad. Yeah. And so what happened is, is that, you know, I didn't find it funny. I was sad for him because I know that, you know, we ain't seen Nate since. That's some hard stuff to live down. Let's just call it what it is. And I asked, I asked Snoop about it. And Snoop said, yo, Stephen A., I wasn't laughing because here's what y'all missed. He said, because of the camera angles and COVID and all of that stuff, they didn't show everything. He said, Stephen A., he didn't walk out of that ring. They had to carry him out. That carry him out. He was in no condition to even get up and walk out of the ring. He had to be carried out. They wheeled him out. Oh, man. So he said, people don't realize it. He said, that's why I wasn't funny to me. Because I saw him and I was like, yo, man, he's really, really hurt. And I said, damn, it was even worse than we what we saw. What we saw, yeah. He said, yes, it wow. was worse than what you saw. And that's why he wasn't laughing. He said, so I was entertaining folks. He said, but then it got really serious with me once I saw he couldn't get out of the ring on his own. Man, that's crazy. That is crazy. Steven, that's one thing. I started doing boxing play-by-play for DAZN over the last couple of years, and that's one thing I've realized, man. When you are, when you're there, and yeah. you see, like, I mean, it, you, you, you obviously have the closest seat you could have to seeing how hurt some of these dudes are. It, right. that, it's, it shakes you. Like, I mean, it, it's, it, it really does. Like, it's, it's hard not to... It's own humanity. You wasn't yeah. even the one that got hit. Right, right. Like, they, right. Oh, damn. Right. You know, just looking right. at it, right? But then oh. I, I tell you, I tell you where it shifts for me, where I get into debate mode, first take mode, if you, for lack of a better yeah. phrase, I have no patience, zero, for somebody who participates in a pugilistic sport and they're out of condition. I have no, mm. I have no patience for that. It's like, wait a minute. So somebody has a license to assault you and you don't take that seriously. I, mm. I lose all respect. I lose all respect for you. Because I'm like, it's like, you know what? Listen, see, you go out there, you want to pitch, you want to be in the best shape, you can pitch to the best of your ability. All right, you know, you lose, you lose. You don't want to let your teammates down, stuff like that. But damn it, you gave up a home run. Mm -hmm. Or somebody, you know what, he dropped 40 on you. Or somebody, he scored a touchdown. No, man, this this person is coming there to knock your head off. 
Yeah. Literally, you signed on to get your head beat in potentially. And you don't take that seriously. To me, somebody like that can never be trusted. Can never be trusted. But that's why I got so much. Talk. I got so much respect for, for Nate, though, because like, I yeah, would I never walk into a ring, bro. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not even bullshitting. Like I, I would yeah. never do that shit. Like ever. Like to fight somebody. Like that's a like 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 you can't play. Like we play sports, baseball, basketball. You can't play with that shit, yeah, bro. Yeah. Somebody yeah. in there to fuck you up. You can't play with that. Like, that's a real thing. So you're right. Like, to watch somebody be out of shape doing that makes no sense. And I wasn't, and I certainly wasn't talking about Nate because Nate wasn't out of shape. No, no, no. I'm just saying just in general. Yeah. yeah. Where Nate hurt himself is that with this kid, with this kid, Paul, this dude is taking boxing seriously. Yeah. He had been training for the previous year. He wasn't joking, you know. And it's like, you know, like, I really, really want to do this. Yeah, I'm on YouTube and stuff like that, but I actually really, really want to do this. Yeah. And I'm trying to train to become a professional. And you walk off the basketball court and you are talking mad smack. Dude don't even know who you are. You call him out on social media, you know, during the pro the promotion for the fight. You was just talking mad smack and disrespecting them like that. And it's like, I, I'm not, listen, I love Nate and I love his competitive fervor and I love, what he did for the Knicks throughout those years. I've always been a fan of him. I wish him not. I didn't laugh one time at him. I found nothing funny about him suffering that kind of knockout. I still feel sorry. I, it was so bad. I wouldn't even bring it up to him. I would just say to him, you all right? Everything cool? You all right? mm-hmm. That's all I care about. But what I'm saying is the lesson to be learned about that is you walked in a, an arena that wasn't yours and in a very, very serious sport. And clearly by what you saw him doing, it wasn't like he was being trained on anything like that. And so when you look at it from that perspective, it's like, look, man, you know, you just never know who's out here. You know, for me, I'm scared of everybody. I'm scared of somebody seven feet tall, 300 pounds, <laughs> or, 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 or 10 pounds. As far as I'm concerned, anybody could take you out. They catch you right. Yeah. And that's to me, that's how you have to treat boxing and UFC. And I think that's a lesson we all should learn from that. Steven, you know, you were talking before about how every day when you when you're done with first take, you know, you've pissed somebody off. You just you, you you know it. I'm wondering, when did you get comfortable with that? Because one thing I always observe with you is I think, you know, you you only say things you believe mm-hmm. on the air, you know, mm-hmm. even though even though you obviously you lean into your 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 role and your incredible gift of language you and the passion you bring but you you really only say things you actually believe when you're on the air um but like you know you there still has to be some level of comfort with that right like to to be willing to share that when did when did you get to that place where you're like i don't care what somebody comes back at me with this is what comfort, i believe the comfort came long before i was on television i was a hmm. journalist i grew up watching ted koppel i grew up watching sam donaldson i grew up watching peter jennings uh you know the list just goes on and on and on so as a result of that you know you can't be in the field of journalism looking to make friends what i prided myself on doing was never being personal doing everything that i could not to get into people's personal life i'm very very big on that like i get mad if I got to go to a dude and ask him about something that happened in this house or something mm. like that, because you and the police blotters, I'm actually pissed off at the person because I don't want to go there. I don't want to ask you that question. You got into some dispute with your girlfriend or your wife. I don't want to be talking about that. That's not none, that's none of my business. I don't want to be involved in that. Mm-hmm. But when you end up in the police blotters, that's a matter of public record. And then you have folks from all stratospheres that are challenging you to bring to light certain things. So let's say for say hypothetically, you're an athlete and you get yourself caught in a situation where it's involved in domestic violence. Well, we all know what kind of life of its own that that takes on because of the world that we're living in, because of how much we've learned about how women have been so victimized throughout the years, even though I've been, I've seen situations where, you know what, men, men it's not most, 85, 90% of the time, women are being victimized, but I've seen women kick the living hell out of a, a dude. You know, beat the living shit out of them. Okay? I've seen all of that. All right. So, I, I, but I've seen it all. What I'm saying is I don't want to talk about your personal life at all. And knowing that I have that kind of mentality and all I want to do is stick to your profession. And I also want to be able to ask you about that. 
I'm not the kind of person where, and see, you know this about me. Everybody knows this about me. You too, Ryan. I'm not one of these cats that host the show and you never see me at games. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not hard to find. Mm -hmm. I, I literally go, I want you to have my number. I want you to be able to call me. I want you to pick up the phone if I said something that you disagree with and I'm factually incorrect. I want you to come at me because the same person that says something about you publicly, if I'm wrong, I'll correct myself publicly. I won't say something about you publicly and then go hiding. And I won't say something about you publicly and then come on the air and don't acknowledge that I was wrong if I was wrong. If I was wrong publicly, I will admit I was wrong publicly because I want you to know you're dealing with a man and a fair-minded guy that really don't want to hurt you. I'm just doing my job of calling it like I see it. But I only want to talk about your profession. I don't want to get into your life unless you want to get into it. I don't want to tell your story. I want you to tell your story. That's one of the reasons I'm big on interviews. And a lot of times you got athletes, particularly NBA players, because they're not, you know, folks, you know, uh, in news, folks are clamoring for the camera time. In the world of sports, as y'all well know, y'all don't need the camera time. Y'all got enough camera time. So y'all ain't starving to do interviews and stuff like that. So for me, when I go to guys, I always try to tell them when we get into tussles, verbal tussles, I say to them all the time, I have no obligation to talk to you. I get paid to talk about you. So when I come to you to talk to you, I'm actually showing you a courtesy because that's taking up my time and my space from saying what I want to say and go home. But the human in me, doesn't feel good about that. I don't want to talk about a player without talking to him if I could help it. Now, if you avoid me, that's on you. But if you talk to me, I feel an inherent obligation to make sure, even if I completely disagree, that your perspective is heard, that you can't sit up there and say you were misconstrued, you was misquoted, nothing. I want to give you the platform to be who you are because I feel I owe that to you just as a human being and as a professional. And that's the way I try to do it. And that's why it's always been easy for me to deal with being able to say what I want to say and how I feel, because I know I come from that authentic place. And that's one of the biggest things that you you are, and you you are authentic, but you around. That's the one of the things that bugs me. Like, if I hear somebody say some shit or, like, you know, listen to something or hear, like, a soundbite, I'm like, this motherfucker ain't even in here. He don't even come to the games. He don't know nobody in here, like... And then people believe that shit. You know what I'm saying? So that that's what bugs me more so than about journalists that like are on TV that are famous. They they'll say some shit and then you'll never see them again until they on TV. So you can't yeah. even get the facts to them or address anything that they're saying without without like calling them out on Twitter or something because you don't never see them. You know what I'm saying? I I agree with you. I agree with you for the most part. But here's what the one place see where I will hold athletes accountable. Because of the world that we're living in and how big sports has become, it's forced y'all into a bubble as athletes. So everyone doesn't have access to you. Like, for example, you see television, sports television shows all over the place on every channel. Everybody ain't going to holler at CC. Everybody mm -hmm. don't have that kind of access to you. You see what I'm saying? So my point is, is that where I get on an athlete is when there's no one in the, in the media that you're communicating with. I never forget years ago when when everybody was coming at MJ and Amar Rashad was his boy, obviously. And Amar Rashad used to get crucified, which I totally, totally felt was unfair. Just because that's your boy don't mean you should be crucified. He was working for the NBA. He was working for NBC. Show Amar Rashad some respect, who, by the way, was a pretty damn good professional athlete. He was a wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. And so I remember that Amar Rashad sat down with MJ and asked MJ all the questions. And when he asked MJ all the questions, because I know Amar Rashad, and he told me this story, he literally stopped the interview. And before MJ got up, he looked around. He said, do y'all have anything else y'all want me to ask him? Is there anything that's missing? He's right here. You see what I'm saying? Well, like, what more can you do? So now, it's so MJ's supposed to be talking to everybody? No. MJ had a person he trusted, but he didn't avoid the questions. And so there was no excuse. I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is when an athlete says the media castigates everybody, generalizes, paints everybody with a broad brush, and you don't have anybody to talk to, that's bullshit. There's always somebody. And so for me, what I try to do is let cats know, agree or disagree with you. I don't owe it to you to agree with you. What I do owe to you is to make sure that if you want to talk, exactly what you want to say is heard and expressed to the masses. And what I try to do is unedited, 
live. Here it is. This is you. You see what I'm saying? And that's what I love about having my own shows because it puts me in a position where it's tens of millions of people I'm reaching every single week. Between YouTube, all of the ESPN platforms or whatever, I'm reaching anywhere from 50 to 75 million people a week. And as long as I make sure I do that and I make sure that your voice is heard in its completion, that is my obligation to you. I don't owe you anything other than that. And I'm cool with that. That's actually great advice, too, for, for, for young guys or, play, or players that are in big markets that have a bunch of media. Like, Ryan, you know, George King was my guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if I had anything going on and I wanted to say something or I wanted to get my point across, I would go straight to him. And I knew that he was going to say it. He was going to write it just like I said it to him. You know what I'm saying? Like, he understood me. And that was just from day one. So that's actually good advice, especially guys that are in huge media markets. Like, Cleve, I played in Cleveland, Milwaukee. You don't really need that because it's maybe one or two beat writers. But when you're in L.A., you know, New York, Miami, you definitely should have one person that you can go to to get your story out there the way you want it. And see, I swear to you, I'm, I'm not bragging, but it's like I'm looking at cats like I reach 50 to 75 million a week. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure your message is heard. I'm willing to hear it. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to literally say, OK, speak. You know, just the, just the other week, people were getting on me about Kyrie. It's like, what what about him? I'm right here. You understand? This is the platform. I don't I don't want you to fail. I don't want you to lose. I don't I don't want. I mean, I'm a Knicks fan, not a Nets fan. But I mean, <laughs> I take anything that I can get in New York as bad as basketball has been here. It's like I'm here. You know how cool I am with a lot of people. See, you see me with certain people who will remain nameless that are stars. It's like, listen, they talk to me all the time off the record. On the record, if they got something to say, they'll let me know they want it on the record. Mm -hmm. If they don't want it, they don't want it. It's very simple. It's about trust and it's about respect. It's not, but on on far too many occasions, we got a couple of softies in the world of sports as athletes where you can tell an absolute truth. They can't even deny it and they still pissed at you because it's something about the game, nothing personal that happens to be true. And they'll still get mad at you. And so you just can't worry about stuff to that degree because there are certain things that are just not realistic to expect. I want to I want to go Brooklyn's big three with you, Stephen. But before <laughs> be- before we go there, I- I'm just wondering is there a is there like a story you can think of of like an athlete coming at you? I mean, I'm sure you have many of them, but like somebody coming at you for something you said, and then you being able to sort of explain your point of view and get them to come around and then appreciate oh, well, you. Well, well, I, well, well, Kobe was one of them. God rest his soul. Um, Kobe was really upset at me one time because I did it when he had the whole issue in Eagle County, Colorado. Um, and then I had interviewed Shaq when they went to the playoffs that day. And, and Shaq just came across as somebody that that didn't have any sympathy at all. And Kobe felt like it really, really made him look bad. And he blamed me. Mm. And, and, and he and I didn't speak damn near for a year. He just walked right by me, wouldn't talk to me or whatever. And Ryan, you know me. You know, well, listen, I try to talk to you, but you shrug, you, you know, you snub me like that. You know, you can go to hell. That's how <laughs> I roll. You know, I'm like, because I'm here to talk. And if you show me where I made a mistake, I'll correct it. But he wasn't willing to do that. And so it took him some time to get that. And then one day I was driving uh, to the nation's capital because Washington was playing Minnesota. And Kobe called me on the drive home and, you know, apologized. You know, he just felt. And I said, I still don't understand. What was your problem? What did I do? And he said the interview with Shaq really bothered me, man. And I was like, but I didn't do anything. I didn't even ask. He brought you up. I, mean, I didn't know he was going to do that. I didn't, I didn't do anything. You know, that was one. That was one. And, and we were fine and we were pretty tight ever since. The other one was me and AI uh, because, you know, AI is like a little brother to me, Alan Iverson. But, you know, I was the beat writer and he and I went eight months without talking to each other mm-hmm. because he pissed me off one day and I got tired of him ruining my vacations. Every damn time I was on vacation, he got himself into some damn trouble. And I had to come off vacation to cover this dude and the whole bit. So one day I just said, yeah, I wrote a column. He got to stop. He got to stop 
acting up. You got to be on time. You know, he's got to do this. He's got to do that. And he was so damn furious with me. We didn't speak for eight months. And, he, you know, he often talks about one of his boys. His name was Ra. Uh, Rashad, he had, he had gotten killed. Uh, he had gotten gunned down, uh, if I remember correctly, years later. But um, his friend, who was a lifelong friend of his, they was I was cool with all his boys. But he and I went and talked, and they said, enough of this. They said, you need to, y'all need to squash this now. <laughs> and, he made, and he made me come. And I went to a, a, a club, uh, Palmer's in, in Philly on Spring Garden. I forgot which street he <laughs> was on uh, at like two in the morning, two in the morning. <laughs> and he was waiting there with AI. And AI came up to me, fuck you want, man. Just like that. That's not a laugh. That's not a laugh. That's not a laugh. I'm like, I'm like oh, oh, you're not mad? I no can more? hear his voice. I can hear his voice saying that. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, so you're not mad no more? And he's like, oh, man, we, we good. We good. I said, then why the hell y'all made me come here at 2 o'clock? And they were like, your ass need to be up. You need to be up. You know, and that was, it was just like that. And it was all because, it was all because behind the scenes, his boys had a conversation with him about how I had a job to do. And most of the time I'm supporting the brothers, but every now and then I got to call it like it is. You know, I got, I got to call it like I see it. You can't get a pass on every damn thing, mm-hmm. you know? So it was incidences like that. And we all know the, you know, stuff with me and big dog Glenn Robinson was well-documented, but that's water under the bridge and stuff like that. But that's about it. Steven, how about Brooklyn's big three, man? What are the, I mean, I know we got our first look last night at them and in the double yeah, OT loss no to Cleveland. They, they ain't play no defense. They don't play no defense, guys. I said that last night. How are you going to give up 147 points to, even though it was double overtime, how are you going to give up 147 points to the worst, the second worst offense in the National Basketball Association? I mean, that's just, that's pretty pathetic, but I, I, gotta, I got news for you. I'm not really worried about it um, right now. I believe the Brooklyn Nets are going to the finals. Right now, I believe Kevin Durant is not only the league MVP to be, I think he's going to be the comeback player of the year too. Mm. But to be gone 18 months and to come back in your first 12 games, you averaging 30 <laughs> on, on, on 54% shooting, damn near 50% from three-point range. I mean, it's just, this brother's just on another level, okay? Uh, you know, Joel Embiid is playing well too, but he, you know, Kevin Durant is my league MVP right now. Here's the thing that alarmed me. Number one, Kyrie Irving disappearing for those seven games. Mm -hmm. Number two, your first game back. Yeah, I know you dropped 37. You needed to since Sexton dropped 42 on you. (laughs) But how in God's name are you going to take 28 shots? (laughs) And James James Harden only takes 14. There's something wrong with that picture. Like, there's nothing inside your soul that said, this brother right here, who had another triple-double, by the way, (laughs) and James Harden, this brother right here did average 30 the last three years. (laughs) Did average a minimum of 29 the last four. Did average a minimum of 28 the last five. Has never <laughs> averaged less than 25 a game in, in, since he arrived in Houston. I, I I might be shooting just a little bit too much. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing inside of you? There's, just, there's nothing inside of you that says that? That's the kind of stuff. See, that that that's me right there where people like him and others who get pissed, but I'm sitting there like, we talking basketball, man. It, I know you can score. I know you could drop the 40. I know there's nothing inside of you that says, I'm shooting twice as much as James Harden. I think it was just the first game. I think, okay. I think it's okay. because he missed those okay. seven and then he was coming back. But he was okay. like, and I, and I could tell every time down that he was going to shoot. Because when they take the ball out, they was passing the ball to Kyrie. And then Kyrie was throwing it to Harden. So Harden can bring it up. To give him the ball so he can get that shot off. So I just I think it was because he, he was trying to get back into the groove I, I of. I feel you on that, but you know, here's my known. retort. Here's my retort. If you felt that way in your because it was your first game back, how you gonna feel if you in the playoffs or the final? <laughs> the, yeah, the, 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 the itch don't leave, yeah. it increases. It increases. I think he needs the ball, though. I think he needs to have the ball. And I think Harden plays off the ball. And, and obviously, KD. 
can take 15 shots and drop, I disagree you with know, you. whatever. I completely you, disagree with you. You, you think, think Harden that, needs the ball? I think Harden has to be the point guard. Man, you know why? That, that Kyrie going to shoot 30 times every night then. Because he's a natural passer. He's a natural passer. James Harden is not given enough credit. He actually was a better point guard than Russell Westbrook was in OKC. Sure. Yeah. People mm -hmm. forget that. And, and, and James Harden is unselfish. He can run a show. Um, he's a magician at getting fouled, as you well know, Ryan, because of all the games you cover. This brother just knows what to do. See, Kyrie will dance on you and embarrass you. He will do stuff that's just highlight reel made for the box office and stuff. But James Harden is incredibly efficient in terms of getting to the free throw line, drawing fouls, getting opposition in foul trouble, stuff like that. And no one, no one should shoot more than KD. Mm -hmm. He's too efficient. He's too efficient for you. And, and, and I will say this. If you want to shoot more than him, see, fine. Do it the first three quarters. Fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. <laughs> you know who the hell it could have You know who should have the ball. And it's like, it's, don't, don't. It's like, stop it. It's like, come on, y'all. You, you, you got to know. What about since they traded Karras and the bench only gave him 10 points last night? What about if they, if they put Kyrie with that second unit? I'm not saying not start him but then put him in with the second unit so he can just go crazy and let him get all his shots right there. I don't mind that, but what I would I tell you... I like that you, too, actually. I like that too. What I would tell you, however, is this. They all know they're going to get a select few shots. They know that. Yeah. That's the way it's supposed to be, okay? DeAndre Jordan, I don't even think he touched the ball last night. That's right. He lucky. He, he got, he got, a, couple he got of a few alley-oops. Alley <laughs> but I'm just saying that but that should be it. That should be it. Let them just make sure... It's like know the pecking order, man. Know the pecking order. You can't. I. I listen. Kyrie's whole thing is, I'm not gonna be second fiddle to anybody. And I'm like, okay, that that you, you know, you are a superstar, no question about it. But you ain't KD. Nah, ain't nobody KD. No one is KD. Nobody's mm -hmm. KD. You can't. I, 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 I. It doesn't matter to me. The only person who should ever have an excuse. Not to defer to KD when it comes to shooting the basketball is Steph Curry. Mm. And he deferred. Yeah. And he deferred. Yeah. So Steph Curry, the greatest shooter known to man, is willing to defer, okay? The same dude that warms up by shooting ch shots from the stands, okay? <laughs> that dude. If he knows to defer to you, what the hell is anybody else's problem? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, you know what? It, the the thing that's I mean, it's so clear. All of us who've watched KD, but then especially now, you know, getting to call his games regularly and watching him night in, night out. Like he he's just he's on another level. Look, all those guys. Harden is sensational, and Stephen, you're right. His playmaking and passing is incredible. Um, and Kyrie, the the things he can do with his handle and the way he finishes, it's just it's unlike any guard we've seen. But everything needs to circle around KD. And 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 I think that means leadership wise too, right? Like KD is probably going to have to be the one who says, "Hey, you know, if it comes to a time where it's like the shot distribution isn't right, it may have to be KD who says, "Hey, hey Kai, we need a few less from you and a few more from James." That's where I worry about KD. That's where listen, to me, the only thing the only reason why I would challenge, I think he's the best in the world. Me too. The Not there's no question. The only reason I would challenge I, I, that that I would hear what anybody has to say about LeBron is because LeBron's leadership can't be questioned at this point in his career. Mm -hmm. And I think that with, with Kevin Durant, he has a problem putting his foot down. He might tell you something, but he has a problem putting his foot down. And you got to remember, things went awry with him in Golden State when he wanted the ball from Draymond and Draymond didn't give it up. Now, Draymond's no Kyrie on the offensive end of the floor. We all know that. Yeah. But the point is, but the point is, is that if you're Kevin Durant, this is your franchise. James Harden is here because of you. All right. James Harden is here because they know that with Kyrie being a bit eccentric and unpredictable, they couldn't just trust Kyrie to be your sidekick. They had to have a James Harden, too. They recognize that. They mortgage the future similar to what they did years ago when they got KG and Paul Pierce and all of that stuff, mm -hmm. even though this is on an upper echelon level. But in the end, they did it for KD. Kyrie Irving would not be in a Brooklyn Nets uniform if it were not for KD. You don't have to answer that, Ryan. It's not a question. You know, <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets did not want Kyrie Irving. They wanted KD 
And because of KD, they embraced Kyrie Irving because that was the condition under which KD was going to end up in Brooklyn. Period. I ain't, I'm telling you what I know. And so when you know that, this is his franchise. And when you consider how efficient he is and how unselfish it is, there's no excuse for him not to be taking more shots than you because you know good and damn well KD is the most giving superstar you will find. Mm -hmm. He's unselfish. He doesn't mind somebody else having the shine. He doesn't have somebody else. He doesn't mind somebody else getting his. If you're playing with a teammate like that who is as great and as efficient offensively as he is, show the man the respect and deference he deserves by making sure he is continuously the number one option. I think I think KD, I think, you know, he he's growing into that leadership role. But you you one thousand percent right. The way that he is as a teammate, you should you should just show him that respect. You know what I'm right. saying? Like you should you should understand that this guy is the best basketball player in the world. And he he will defer to you. He will be a good teammate. And, you know, sometimes he don't he can't really show that leadership where he needs to step up. And I think he went to Golden State just to go hoop, cuz. So yeah. he didn't have to so he didn't have to be that leader and all that stuff that he wanted to do. He went yeah. down there to go hoop. And I feel like now that he went to Brooklyn and made this decision, now it's time for him to step up and be that LeBron leader where he can lead his team and, and run it the way he wants to. He has to step up. And, and you know why? Because it is his team. Mm -hmm. And because they did everything for him. You understand? Kyrie cannot be a problem for KD. Yeah. You've done, this, he's here because of you. You understand? And so, listen, Kyrie's a superstar. Kyrie's box office, man. I mean, you, you know, you pay to walk through the turnstiles to watch this brother play. And the other day, I made it a point to show up, point out on my show that, listen, what Kyrie said as an explanation for his absence recently, absolutely nothing wrong with it. You know what the only problem was, see? He didn't tell anybody mm -hmm. initially. Had you yeah. told folks that same exact explanation they could have sat up there, take some time off, take whatever time you need, get your head right, et cetera, et cetera, and go mm -hmm. forward. But unfortunately, you know, these guys just want to do things their own way. And what they forget is that, well, the fans have a mind of their own too. The fans have a right to sit up there and say, go to hell. We want a chip. We don't want to hear nothing about nothing else. We want a chip. You back now. You ready to do this? So, okay, you disappeared and that's fine. You back now. That's great. But we're going to watch you jack up shots and. KD not get the ball? No, we don't want to hear that. And we don't want to hear about, well, you know what? We got work to do and all that stuff. You better get to the damn finals. Shaq is like, nah, they better win it. They better I'm win like, it. I feel like they should win it. I feel like they should win it, bro. Especially yeah, if they I, get that second no unit right. There's no shame in losing to Anthony Davis and LeBron now. There's no shame in I feel like if the teams are even, so like when, the, I guess the teams weren't even, so when, when the Warriors played the Cavs in the finals, if the teams are really good and they're even, and it's LeBron against KD, KD wins that yeah. matchup. Okay. Yeah. So if Brooklyn I, gets right and they can and they can match up the teams evenly with the Lakers, and then it's just KD and LeBron, KD's yeah. going to win that. But let's not, let's not forget a couple of things. Number one, the Lakers got some size in them. Number two, Anthony Davis is a monster defensively as well. Yeah. And so what you have is a situation where you're talking about a guy blocking shots. You're talking about a guy patrolling the interior. He's rebounding. LeBron is helping him in that regard. You know, you got Montrose Harrell, who's an energizer bunny. You got Morris. He can ball. I think the pickup of Schrader is not bad because he's more of an offensive player than Rondo. You got a lot of things. So, again, if they lost to the Lakers, there would be no shame in that. But it would be very shameful and very problematic for this team if they did not come out of the Eastern Conference. I can tell you that. That would be bad. Steven, I know you got to run, man. You got uh, Stephen A's world to shoot. But uh, it's so good catching up, man. It's good to be on Thank the airwaves with you again, man. Yeah, man. Miss y'all. Uh, we miss you, too. You, you too, right, Stephen, and thank you for this time, man. I'm sure we'll be talking more Brooklyn throughout the year. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, listen, listen. I'm gonna go to a game in New York. I'm gonna go to a game. In New York. I'm gonna go to a game in New York, even though my Knicks are one game out of 500. Let's man, don't nobody want to hear that. I got, I got my Harden jersey on the way. I just ordered the blue one. I just, <laughs> I gotta call Jay today. Let's see what he gotta say about them damn Brooklyn Nets. I root, I root, I'm rooting for them against anybody but the Knicks. Yeah, Fair you, you, you know I got to be a Knicks fan because Wes over there now too. So that's my, you know, that's the big hunt. So Steve, you better, Steve, 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 you better root for us, Steve. Steve, <laughs> Steve, 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 Steve,
this is you, you're an executive in the NBA now. Okay? <laughs> you don't get to just talk your way out of this. They got to play and show that. <laughs> See, I told them, I like Obi Toppin, Obi Toppin. I like him, but not as much as I like Tyrese Halliburton. That's who yeah. I wanted the Knicks to draft. Mm. Remember I said that, you, Ryan. Remember I said yeah, that. Yeah, I will. I, I love Halliburton, man. I wanted the yeah. Knicks to draft Halliburton, and they drafted Toppin. What the hell I need another forward who can dunk for when everybody <laughs> in the team is a forward? You needed a guard, Wes. You needed a guard. <laughs> Other than that, I love my boy, Wes. And I'm we love you worldwide. We love you worldwide. Uh, hey, Steven, thank you, man. We'll, we'll right, talk fellas. to you soon. Be well. Thank you, man. All right. Thank you. All right. See you, man. So nice going down memory lane with Steven and hearing his thoughts on Brooklyn's big three. You know they're going to get scrutinized the way LeBron's teams always do, which means every game you're going to take the temperature. Uh, so coming off the loss, people would be panicked. But I'm so excited for this process, and I know C and I are going to dive into these guys uh, throughout this season on a regular basis, but it's good to have this kind of excitement when it comes to hoops in Brooklyn. People loved the Snell interview last week, which was yeah. tremendous. We're coming in. It's 2021. We're coming in strong here, man. Yeah, it's bringing a new it. year, bro. We're bringing it. You know what I mean? Um, just easing into it, but we got some good guests here um, You know, the last couple of weeks, so hopefully we can just keep it going. It's good. Keep it keep it rolling, man. All right. Now, um, we, we are doing our football picks. You guys are continuing to tweet at us at R2C2, at Ryan Rucco, at CC underscore Sabathia on Twitter with what the bet should be. We're going to decide before Super Bowl of what the loser or what the loser should have to do or the winner will get uh, for whoever ends up with the better football picks. Yeah, uh, we, we put number levels assigned to our confidence values um, and see uh, after the first two weekends of the NFL playoffs, I have an 11-7 lead on you. Big swing last week was Bills-Baltimore. Uh, Bills winning was a plus one for me. It was a minus three for minus you. Minus three for me, yeah. Yeah, so this week, the point levels will be four and two. You'll assign a four to one game and a two to the other. Uh, try and give us a, a little separation, see if C can close the gap. So C... NFC Championship game. Just talk to your boy Leonard Fournette. What do you got? Bucks, yeah. Packers, and what and what value are you assigning it? The four. Or the I am. Two? I'm going. To, I'm going Bucks. Um, man. Yeah, it's in Lambo too. Shit. I know. It's hard. Um, man, I got to go Packers, guys. I have yeah. to. It's in Lambo, bro. And I'm gonna give them a two. Um. But uh, it's only because it's gonna be fucking freezing up there. It's gonna be snowing. It's cold. Like they play in Tampa. Like uh, that's gotta uh, that's gotta have an effect. You know what I'm saying? Like so. So I'm going. I'm going Packers. You're going Packers with the two. All right. Packers two for C. You know what do we know? Uh, what do we know about Antonio Brown and Patrick Mahomes' status as of now? I think like, Mahomes. Do, I think Mahomes think? is is on track to play. Okay, and. Yeah, but he remain he practiced in a limited capacity, remains in concussion protocol. Mm, yeah, but today's man. what? Today's Thursday? Yeah, that was yesterday that he practiced uh, on a yeah, basis. He'll be fine. If he's yeah. practicing, he's gonna play, guys. Yeah. And what about Antonio Brown? What do we know about he was not he did not practice Thursday. He'll be a game time decision. Hmm. You think he makes a, a big a big difference? Uh, I don't know, man. He's he he kind of has the last couple of weeks. He has Packers. in the playoffs, but but during yeah. the regular season, he wasn't that big of a factor. So yeah, it's just you know. All right, you're going Packers with your two. I like the Bucks, but I think it is the Packers year. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Packers, and I'm actually gonna assign them the four. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Green Bay with my four point value. You're going Green Bay with your two point value. And how about the AFC Championship game? See, you going Kansas City four? Kansas City four, cuz. All right, Kansas City four for you, and I'm gonna go out on a limb, and I'm gonna say Buffalo two. I I I I don't have a ton of confidence in that. I think I am. Do I really think? Do I really want to do that? Let me think about this. Man, you better think about that. Because then I'm I, I'm putting myself at risk. I my my thought is it switches it up, and if Mahomes is a little off, but you know. 
Man, see, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. But if we pick the same thing, is that boring? Do I need to pick different just for the sake of interest? Just for the interest? sake of, 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 of picking? Yeah, just for the sake of picking something different. Do I kind of need to pick something different? I mean, yeah, but if you want to lose. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. <laughs> like, I, I, I think, you know what? I got I think Kansas City's winning. I think, yeah. I think Kansas City's winning. I don't I'm know going, why you wouldn't assign them yeah. before. Yeah, like, yeah. They're going to yeah, win that know. game, Curtis. I, I, I'm going Green Bay for Kansas City, too. The only reason um, I'm going Green Bay is because it's in Lambeau, guys. Yeah. If it was if okay. it was in Tampa, I would I would pick Tampa. Okay. So there's a slight difference there. All right. So Green Bay, you have uh two, Kansas City four. I have Green Bay four, Kansas City two. Those are our picks. Continue to tweet at us with your ideas for how we should pay off this bet. And uh, make sure you're telling everybody about the podcast. It's available on all platforms. And of course, come to us on Spotify. Follow us. New episodes every Thursday, bonus episodes as well. And um, see, I guess that's it. That is it. Another week in the books. I'm sorry, man, I was late. The fucking internet, I can't do nothing about that. Hey, can't do nothing about that. Peace. Peace.